Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Fans of Sound and Vision, the official book of the podcast, Why I Make Art, Contemporary Artist Stories About Life and Work, is available through Altillier Editions, the publisher's website. It's altillier-editions.com. The book features 30 in-depth looks at artists who have been on the podcast, spanning mediums from painting, drawing, photography, sculpture, performance, and land art. Artists include Diane Al-Hadid, Jules de Ballancourt, Greg Crutzen, Heather Day, Inca Essenhigh, Salman Tour, Robin Williams, and many more. The book features a foreword by my friend Rishikesh Hirway, who is also the host of Song Exploder, the Netflix special and podcast. You can check it out at atelieredictions.com or you can get to the link through soundandvisionpodcast.com. Sound and Vision is supported by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is an employee-owned company that makes the best artist materials for making that you can get. Over the last 25 years or so, I've been using Golden acrylics, mediums, and materials, and I stand by the quality in their products. They make acrylics that stay wet longer, they dry flat, mediums to make you paint super thick and beautifully fluid. They also make Williamsburg oil paints and core watercolors as well. You can find Golden in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is supported by the fine coffee makers at Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum has amazing coffee beans that you can order straight to your door. On their website, you can choose from different roasts from different origins, and you can even get a coffee subscription where you can get different beans delivered to your door each week or month. I'm on this subscription plan and it's amazing. As a coffee fanatic, getting new roasts all the time delivered fresh to the door is amazing. If you get to Seattle, you can even see a 10 foot by 40 foot mural of mine in their 6th and Bell Street shop. Check out Fulcrum Coffee Roasters at fulcrumcoffee.com. This week, we're reissuing a classic episode with Inca Essenhigh from May 2016. Inca is an incredible painter who received her Master's of Fine Arts from the School of Visual Arts and a BFA from Columbus College Art and Design. Her work is found in the collections of the Albright Knox, the Denver Art Museum, the Farnsworth, the Minneapolis Institute of Art, Museum of Contemporary Art in Miami, Florida, Museum of Modern Art in New York, the Tate, the Whitney, and many more. She lives and works in New York. Here's our conversation from seven years ago. Yeah, I guess the the way I usually start off is by asking a little bit about where you're from and and um, where you grew up and then maybe how the first seeds of being an artistic person started in in your childhood. Um, I am. I was born in Belfonte, Belfont, Pennsylvania, and uh, 
And uh, I always wanted to be a painter. I can't remember a time that I didn't want to be a painter. Uh, my dad worked at at um, at uh, Penn State, mm-hmm. and then later on we moved to Ohio State in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and I remember that there there just wasn't a time that I, I never even came up with a plan B. I remember, you know, early on people would come in and you know they don't they don't people would always ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd say, I want to be an artist. And they'd say, well, that's a really hard life. What are you going to do for money? And I would just say something, you know, I'll do advertisement or, you know, like, or whatever my version of that was, commercial art or um, uh, to, to make money, knowing full well, even at the age of five, mm-hmm. that I was just saying that to shut them up. Wow. <laughs> so that was just born out, like you just loved drawing. At that point, were you just drawing most of the yeah, time? Yeah, I was just drawing most of the time. And my mom was fine with it. Um, she And she got me lots of tutors and we went to art school, you know, mm-hmm. little, you know, um, extracurricular art places. And and I, uh, she even got me tutors uh I mean, they were tutors. They were just somebody that gave they gave me drawing classes yeah. uh, where we every Saturday or every Tuesday or something I would drop them off. She would drop me off. And did that start in state college? Um, yeah, actually, yeah. it started in state college, and then it continued in um, in Columbus, Ohio. You know, when I was, I remember it was always just fun to even walk there, and and they would give me you know things like a you know the rubber erasers you know what the with the um what's the stretchy stuff called oh the the putty stuff the putty right? stuff yeah. right? <laughs> that I, I still use it but i don't even the rubber some um the rubber erasers and charcoal and, yeah and uh and we would do still lives or <laughs> so the school that you went to well, when did you move to ohio how old were you uh i was around seven years old so the schools that you were going to were they just your nor did you have like a normal art class in those? Yeah, and we had normal art class. Yeah. I think we did. I always tell the story that when I was in high school, my art teacher introduced me to Jackson Pollock, like showed a video of Pollock, like painting on the glass. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. And, and that kind of blew my mind that you could do something like that. And did you have good art teachers? Or was it, it sounds like it was more intuitive, that you were just interested in it from the get-go. Yeah, I was interested in the get-go, and I, I think that... Um, and we had a lot of art books around, and I liked the old masters, and we would go to a lot of art museums. So mm-hmm. I saw Jackson Pollock when I was, you know, uh, we wouldn't, in, Colum- in in State College, we wouldn't go to any art museums, but we would go to take trips to New York City yeah. uh, or to the Smithsonian. I remember going to the Smithsonian to Washington, D.C. to see um, uh, stuff, and I remember the first posters I got... Um, I had uh, a Van Gogh <laughs> <laughs> um, cherry blossom tree. Mm-hmm. I had uh, a poster of um, uh, what is it? Manet's uh, at the Folie Berger, yeah, uh, the, yeah. uh, the you know with the, the bar scene, mm-hmm. and I had a Picasso. My mom had bought me a Picasso flower some woman holding flowers not a woman but just the two hands holding flowers uh-huh. and uh my sister had a rousseau um print <laughs> the greatest hits <laughs> Your greatest a- <laughs> hits, right i d- i uh i had a mary cassatt book and i had a georgia o'keefe book and 
my mom wanted me to have you know um, female artists yeah uh, so she she bought me probably female artist books <laughs> really but then cool. she would you know point to uh, uh, Georgia O'Keeffe and say see it's so sterile <laughs> she never had child she is so, so, so sterile <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. She was like not only into all that stuff, but had pretty, pretty. Was she artistic? Um, no. Just like yeah. enjoyed art. You know, um, yeah. My my grandmother painted. Mm -hmm. uh, she was from Ukraine, and and they had come over. You know, they they were refugees from Ukraine. Came in, coming over from World War Two, and uh, they uh, sometimes I. Um, it's been said that a lot of times when you're um, children of immigrants that you're trying to take back uh, old um, status mm -hmm. and you know something with an my mom was very snobby uh, she wanted to remain above everybody and say Columbus Ohio like for example I never went to a single football game because we were above that yeah. I don't know what <laughs> <laughs> well in state college is that even a possibility well I mean that was easy because we were just little kids you yeah know, when you're you get the little kid pass right. um, but you know my mom grew up speaking French and why am I making fun of my mom I'm not no no this is this, you're pumping mom up this is all good stuff <laughs> well traveled yeah broad I, lexicon right but uh, she um, I, I think that part of the idea of when you when you do have an immigrant situation is that you know she I think that she wanted us to be have some sort of status mm -hmm. this is me thinking that this is what she may have been thinking unconsciously she I don't think that this was a conscious effort right. but I think that she wanted us to have the kind of status that you could not take away yeah well I'm sure part of that I mean being forced from where you are right you know what I mean and but having this deep sense of your culture but then being thrust in a different environment you want to feel not only that you're holding on to that culture but you're also creating this new you know culture and right it's that, very it's sophisticated you know there's there's a value to that I think right yeah so whenever you finished well I mean what did you when you were in high school did you maintain you know your drawing and were you still as adamant or did you start getting interested in other things and think oh I might go to school for something else no. or it was you were one track I was totally one track were you into pop culture and stuff like that? I mean, were you watching TV? Sure, yeah, I watched a music. lot of TV. Were you in, into music back then? Sure, yeah. I mean, I was into... Um, I mean, everybody's into music when you're young. And yeah. I wanted I, I wanted to be punk rock, which is hilarious because, you know, I'm <laughs> in Columbus, Ohio. and That seems as good kind as an environment for yeah. punk. I mean, on some level, I've never really quite lost the goth look. You know, I still yeah. <laughs> wear too much black. <laughs> um <laughs> A little too much eyeliner. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, but but that's what I grew up with. Did you ever go see me? Were you in Columbus? Were you kind of outside the city, or were you, no? You, I was right in the city, right and the city. and I didn't see too many shows just because. Um, I don't know why I didn't see. I mean, my, my greatest hits. I saw Bauhaus. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Not Bauhaus. I'm sorry. Um, Love and Rockets. Uh, Love and Rockets. You know, yeah. uh, and. Things of that ilk that would come through, and, yeah. um, uh, and they played at the Newport, mm -hmm. and and the Pixies played. But I and I was and I had tickets, and I we got thrown out because I was trying to go 
to the section where you could drink. Oh, no. <laughs> you got thrown out of a pixie show. <laughs> but you were a fan. I mean, the pixies are amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a little, that was probably closer to college right. um, when I was into the pixies. Before, you know, growing up, it was much more of like, I remember seeing Till Tuesday, you mm-hmm. know, like this kind of um, pop alternative rock. Uh, um, well, I feel like with music, when I was young, like you're saying, everyone's kind of into music and, you know, posters on the wall and that visual aspect of it, you kind of identify with whether it's punk because, you know, I skateboarded a lot. So there was that visual culture. Um, was there a visual side of it that you were drawn into? A lot of the people I talked to, they, a lot of them skateboarded and there's a real visual aspect of skateboarding culture that I think drew a lot of people into art. or Into graphic it, design. Yeah, it kind of, you know, it kind of snowballed that that creativity and on the visual side well you know the funny thing is is not really because i i really loved painters you know really old-fashioned painters Mm -hmm. and i think that maybe that went with goth you know and and you know like uh old-fashioned stuff um love of 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 um uh of uh something with a history yeah well there's a romanticism too a romanticism and I think that you know and uh, what am I I mean I can't say that I looked at album covers and said oh I want to be like that Mm -hmm. but I suppose that if, if, if anything it informed the way that I thought that I was supposed to go through life which is to be questioning of the man right you know you were supposed to you know um with the kind of music I liked, I, I suppose it was it was supposed to be completely impassioned. You were supposed to go all out. Um, it was completely sincere. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pixies weren't so sincere, but it didn't occur to me at that time. Right. <laughs> well, there's energy. Um, right. And they sound pretty, you know, they're backing their music. Right, yeah. But you, you have to be unashamed. And I think that with with you know looking back on it with goth, something like you know um, heavy metal goth rock uh you know punk there's there's a show mm-hmm. and it's not um and there's costumes and even though you can be genuine there's still something about the that you know an aspect of of um of a costume and i think that of something that can go into fantasy, and I and yeah. obviously I, I respond to things that are of fantasy, and I and I don't see it as an escape. I see it as like part of of how we inform how we're going to go forward. Oh, that's funny because I was just going to say it's kind of escapism. Right. I actually, but, don't think it's an not. escapism. I think yeah. that that's where that's where. Um, I mean, I, I get that a lot. I you know, it's funny that I uh, jumping forward. If we can jump forward, I mm-hmm. I, I think I. Um, my husband goes and makes trip for a long time when the, the war in Iraq started he started mm-hmm. going there to make artwork about the war and it's that's when I became actually even more withdrawn into my own imagination and making works that were much more about my imagination and and I always wondered if this was in fact um, you know escapism I mean and it, and it may have started out that way but mm-hmm. I think that that's the only way to actually in um, create change in the world yeah you know like if you know say if you're for for example this is a stupid um kind of obvious thing if can you imagine what peace might actually be like right if you're like um and it it would take all your imagination to 
find what that might mean mm-hmm. for you. And uh, and if in, I think that you would have to experience that on some level if you wanted it to be actual, actually something out there that you could bring forth in a in a in a painting. Yeah. And somebody could experience that uh, on some <laughs> unconscious level that that is a possibility. Yeah, it's so interesting because you you know I've thought about it a lot as far as like you're saying with whether it's fashion or the, the way you present yourself or music I haven't thought about it as much in visual language like for instance like one of my favorite musicians is Sun Ra and you know he kind of dressed he had his orchestra and they were like this out of space unit and right. it was all about this sort of escapism and mysticism about you know not being on earth and a lot of it had to do with like racial inequality and wanting to break away from that and have his own voice but it wasn't just just gimmicky dressing up as cosmic, you know, musicians, but it was, it really was, you know, social change in a way too, because it was related to, you know, in, in this kind of fantasy way of talking about that desire to break away from the constrictions or of what was placed on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And thinking about that as far as like making imagery that addresses that is really interesting. Were there people that you felt um, over the course of looking at other people, because you were saying you looked at a lot of the, like the quote unquote, like old masters or whatever. Were there people that you were looking at or artwork that you were looking at, or maybe not art, just visual things that kind of took you to another place or you that resonated with you in that sense? Sure, I mean, t- tons of artwork did. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think that I've always had a love of uh, Leonardo da Vinci. As, yeah. a, as a very young girl, I, I loved the perfection, the the uh, the drawings, the sketchbooks, right? The sketchbooks, yeah. and I still do. And I think that it's also because he's um, bringing forth something from the deep unconscious, and and that there's also the the you know not just a craft, but just a miraculous hand. I just really yeah. love his hand. I think that. For painting, I think that there is something to somebody's touch where even if they're, you know, um, uh, some people have a beautiful touch and I just yeah. I just respond to the way that they can move paint around. But then if you also couple that with somebody, something that they're bringing through from the, you know, something through from the unconscious, something that... Um, that it it just does something to me, I, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, like I totally know what you're talking about. That touch is really interesting because I feel like I look at artists in two different, like when I look at the touch people, it's almost like I see that a little bit differently than I do the rest of, whether it's someone like, you know, like those Da Vinci waves. Yeah. It's just that technique, that line work. Or like Al Hirschfeld, like his, his, his cart- uh, like yeah. that line work is beautiful. You know, right. and they're just illustrations of people, but there's just there's like that gift of line work like Jeff McFedrich is an artist that I really love I love the way he draws like his line work there's a real gift to that right know? or even Basquiat yeah. he had it yeah, not definitely. always yeah but it was uh, yeah. <laughs> well no one has it always right? <laughs> some more than others right well I can see it sometimes and yeah. sometimes I look at you know and it just look like crap to me yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, but that's really interesting to think about that, you know, that difference between the making, that technique being, um, it's, I don't know, there's something seductive about that. Right. You know, so when you went to, so you went to art school, right? Yeah. Which was in, an, you went to Ohio for under- I went to uh, Columbus College of Art, art and Design, and uh, 
I knew I had to get to New York City, but mm-hmm. I was scared to go to New York City, and I didn't even apply for undergrad. I, I just got a scholarship at CCAD, and I went. I mean, the, you know, the local art school. Yeah. Um, well, you knew that was going to be a stepping stone, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. I also did know that, I don't know how I was aware, but I did know that you were supposed to, like, um, I mean, I knew enough about contemporary art that you weren't necessarily uh, um, supposed to be painting well. You were supposed to be an abstract expressionist, and Mm -hmm. I think I was scared of that. I think I, uh, because I didn't really get it, and uh, the local art school was, you know, had, it was an old kind of program that was Bauhaus related, so it had all the design, illustration things um, together, but it was a foundation program of figure drawing and then color theory and mm-hmm. things, you know, kind of old-fashioned, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I felt much happier um, uh, going down that road. And it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's still with me today. I, yeah. I still think of it, I think of it as my, um, I wear it as a badge of honor, but I think of it also as my provincialism, where, mm-hmm. and I think of it as a, my Midwesternness that on some level yeah. I want it to be good. <laughs> right. It's a blue collar. Like, right. I worked yeah. hard at this. Right. I understand how to do it. Right. right. Yeah. That's interesting. And that's come up, you know, that's, and well, comes up a lot of this in the idea of education, of teaching those foundations and the value of that. And there's a lot of people who feel like we're past, or we don't need to learn how to paint proficiently, you know, or the in this antiquated way. But it's way, also, but I think that, the, you know, like you read a lot of comic books, mm-hmm. and uh, that was, and you watched a lot of, t- I watched a lot of TV, yeah. and, um, and I, I didn't, I knew damn well what the difference between a comic book and a fine art was right. but at the same time I didn't see why they didn't have to they could look the same I oh, mean, that yeah, was that was them. I could easily merge them I didn't I mean to me Picasso looked not that different from yeah. any comic book I didn't I mean I understood that one was on a was um deeper than right. the other and one had um but I couldn't actually understand why. I mean, I actually sometimes I was I was sort of dumbfounded, dumbfounded about why was Francis Bacon deep and something like a heavy you know heavy metal cover, mm-hmm. um, stupid and juvenile and because you know they're kind of the same. They're kind of yeah. I mean, emotionally, they're kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's got better paint, but. It was the beginnings of understanding what context means right. to how things are interpreted, right? Right. Like, you kind of understand, like, oh, well, this is just in a little pamphlet that's for sale for $5, so that makes people see it differently than if you blow it up and paint it like Roy Lichtenstein, you know what I mean? Right. You know, it's it's interesting to think of how context informs the interpretation of things. You know, when did you, I'm um, assuming that you've looked at Japanese prints before, right? Yeah. Like that was, um, when did you first see those and were you interested in those? I can't remember the first time I, I the first time I saw that. Uh, I feel like I got more of an education about Japanese art through, there was a moment in undergrad where I really liked to do ceramics. Mm-hmm. And I threw a lot of pots, and um, and I did a lot of printmaking, and I think that um, you know that kind of like you know making simple images on the pots or on the ceramics or and and making um, prints 
they just sort of lent themselves to to understanding what was you know Japanese yeah um, some you know like a reduced kind of space mm-hmm. where did I see that first I can't remember yeah but it has that you know mm-hmm. that link between I think comics or you know or manga or anime and you know that kind of they it floats in between that world of a painting and a comic book you know yeah. because there's this direct and they're printed too so they're woodblocks and there's a there's a seriality and a repetition to it but it it's kind of for me i remember at the carnegie in pittsburgh they had a show that was van gogh on one side and then it was ukiyo-e on the other and mm-hmm. it was about his the influence of ukiyo-e on him uh-huh right and it was fascinating to me cuz i saw connections but they were so different I didn't really put it together at that point. It was, you know, I was pretty young when that, when I saw it. But I, it was one of those shows that had a lasting impression, you know. Yeah. And I think I had that same kind of feeling, like, why is this one seen differently than than, than this? this one? Yeah. Is it just thicker paint on the tube? And that's something that I've always, to this day, if I ever read something where someone writes about the, my work being flattened or super flattened or non-express or whatever, I just don't understand it. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like putting a little more paint and making a little thicker to me doesn't add anything, n- doesn't yeah. inherently mean, I mean, I understand the, you know, the visual connection with history and what that means. We're, we're dealing with visual vocabulary and thicker, more expressive quote unquote gestures. Look, they give people a different feeling, I guess, but you know, it's always so black and white. I think when people talk about it, it's like, oh, that's flat. Right. So it can't have any surface. It's not about the surface. It's like it's it totally can't. About the it can't be about the surface. This is a very, very thin layer. You know, it's. I've I, always, but I've always loved like remember those Viewmasters, oh, like with three D yeah. things and how everything was like that. You know that really shallow space. Um, space. Yeah, yeah. But, that's but almost it's, like um, like medieval um, yeah. Romanesque medieval. Um, yeah, 12th century mural painting. Yeah, everything's like existing in these thin... <laughs> but, you know, to me, that feels deeper in a way, you know, because it's there's like a, a literal depth to it, but it's very, it's like almost microscopic, but you feel it as opposed to it just being represented in space. So, I don't know. I, I feel like that that issue, in that show, it kind of, you know, pointed that out to me the difference between you know the painting and the print and and the two different things but now i mean don't don't you think that we're that these lines are being blurred of course yeah and and we don't have such a hard lines of 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 high low i mean i obviously francis bacon is going to go for a lot more money than i mean (laughs) i I look back on on a i haven't seen a heavy metal um magazine cover for decades but yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but maybe it would seem different to me yeah uh, now yeah well you know and then since I grew up in Pittsburgh Warhol was always around you know so I kind of I never really had a huge uh, feeling that like certain work is commercial and certain work like that that line that's drawn so often when you're especially when you're just learning about artwork you know I wasn't as interested in that line you know, and I, I like artists who kind of blur that line a lot or do, and I, I'm sure part of that's skateboarding and, you know, posters and all that other, like I used to love stickers when I was little, yeah. stickers in general, just loved them. I would put them all over everything. And, you know, that to me, that was exciting. So I kind of injected that into artwork like that, 
that anything kind of, that relates to that kind of excitement when I was a kid, I feel like we're always trying to get back to that excitement. Those early days of making that are so exciting. Right. And as stickers you get Stickers were harder to come by back then. Now my son has a million stickers and I don't know what to do with them. I know. Well, people <laughs> caught on. They're like, oh, these, everyone loves stickers. Right. And you can go online and order a gazillion of them for like $2. So it's a lot easier to get them these days. But yeah, buttons were like that too. I used to love pins. I had so many like punk rock, like, you know, Black Flag and Anthrax, like all those pins that I would put on my back. Right, yeah. It was kind of like you identify right. those things, you know. And then when I got older, I got a button maker. So I was like, now I can just make whatever <laughs> I I went through a manic phase like 10 years ago of just making buttons of every painting. I, did. I was just making every button that I could possibly make. It's like, I don't have to order 500 of these. I could just make one-offs. And, you know, but it's that idea of like trying to reconnect with your youth, you know, which I feel like a lot of, for me, um, especially undergrad for me was a really exciting time is when I was just learning all these artists and, you know, this is a moment of excitement for me. Did you have that? or And then you went to grad school at SVA, right? Yeah. So were you having that kind of moment then? You know, it's funny. When you say moment I, I of, of excitement, I, I, I assume that you must be a much healthier person than I am because I... Um, uh, all my moments of growth and excitement are are accompanied by a lot of like angst and uh, and worry, concern that like I you know like um, you know like of me trying to wrap my head around something mm-hmm. or and you know and 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 you know trying to get on board with something and still to this day there's a lot of things that you know that are new that everybody's really raving about and that I'll take a look at and it's just not that impressive to me but I'll I have to sort of go okay well you know yeah no fine. I think, <laughs> I think I, yeah. <laughs> do I have to like it I do yes I do it's my job too all right okay um you know and I'll yeah. and I'll, I'll have to enter into it but I actually go in not with two feet and like yeah I love it it's more like uh. no I think I had some of that it wasn't just like you know Woo, I this is just, great <laughs> I love all this stuff right yeah. I love all this stuff it's like you know like I'm trying to you know, when you're young, especially, you want to cut things down. Yeah. You want to like break it down to size, little bits of size. And it's so easy to like, you know, kind of go, eh, you know. See, I think I was in between that. I think I was in between the two. It wasn't so much a like or a dislike thing. It was kind of like a wow thing. Yeah. Well, I certainly would feel wow, but yeah. then it would also be like. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. And to me, I was I, when in that period, since I was coming across so many new things that I just didn't understand or know, it was more of like bewilderment, but excited about. I remember like. When seeing, did you get here? When did you get here? I got to New York in '99. See, that was a funner time for painting. When I got here in. Uh, 91 mm-hmm. even though there was a few amazing things around uh, I remember I got to New York and the first thing I, I, I wondered where was Anselm Kiefer where was Bazlitz where was Julian Schnabel mm-hmm. and you know like where were all these people that um, or the Starn twins or whatever yeah. um, and they were kind of gone mm-hmm. and I remember I did see 
Anselm Kiefer at Marion Goodman, and it was what they called his breakdown show, where he had taken a bunch of paintings, put them in a big pile, and put a bunch of dirt on it. Mm-hmm. And I, this is going to be my first real, you know, I've seen it all in picture books. Um, I loved Al- Albert Olin. Um, mm-hmm. But these guys weren't around. They were yeah. like at yesterday's news, and, and, and they were already exited New York, and, and, and there was not a lot of painting around. Uh, and and I saw a lot of you know I remember Chris Burden had this fantastic uh, Medusa head he called it that it was a big ball with all these um, train tracks on it mm-hmm. and it was awesome but not painting yeah. I was blown away by Matthew Barney yeah the drawing restraint show. yeah but I was you know like his age and that wasn't painting right <laughs> where's the painting where's the freaking painting um and uh uh yeah so i don't know if it was the same you know excitement of having people that were actually doing i mean now it's it's there's a lot of painting out there still well i remember the one thing that i was really excited about when i was this is undergrad you know i remember reading my first article on bruce nauman so it wasn't just painting for me it was it was kind of anything and i saw that piece where it's the two wax heads that are mm-hmm. kind of balanced and like rotating and i was like what is that you know like right. I just didn't understand it I didn't it was weird like right. it, you know it wasn't in my lexicon like I didn't get it like I did but I was intrigued I was like that's amazing that you could just do that and right people are writing about you know so it was it wasn't like I love that or where's my team or you know like oh you know I at that point too I didn't even know what the hell I was doing I was making really bad paintings and you know, but I was just so excited about the possibilities of But see, all I think that the, the thing with something that you just described, the Bruce Nauman, I think that the problem is, is that when you're a kid and you're... So maybe the Bruce Nauman broke more, you know, like, you know, talked about that kind of anxiety or like, you mm-hmm. know, kind of... Like, I want to say his work is a lot, a lot about being argumentative or, or um, uh, a certain type of angst. But I think that like you kind of understood that kind of angst growing up yeah. already. Like it all had already done its job. That's true. Yeah. And so seeing the real thing for the first time and not having you know the the like an emotional reaction that but that you're already you know not um, that you're already comfortable with, mm-hmm. uh, like it makes the work much more puzzling. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Yeah. What is? <laughs> That's true. I hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, that's 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 true. I mean, I think that that's how fast. I think that that's one of the great things about being in New York. I always think of it as um, maybe even if you're not, um, you know, making work that that people can that you don't see. There's something about. I, I want to say that there's something about the city. It's like a it's like a stage. You can walk down the street. You mm-hmm. can run into the pe- person that you need to run into for some reason when the time is right. And then when the time is right. It almost feels like you know, like your work can go right down the center of Manhattan, like a chiropractic uh, um, adjustment, mm-hmm. and like it can go everywhere, all over the world, all at once. Yeah. And and it has that ability still to this day. I mean, New York sucks, but <laughs> <laughs> but it still can do that. It does do that, yeah. And and not a lot of places do that. Well, not a lot of places do that. Yeah, it's too. Def- Fuse or something. Yeah. There's something about the electrical, almost the the alignment of it, the whole thing. Yeah, it's that. I guess is the payoff because it's so hard to live here. It sucks that that is the <laughs> one, like one of the perks that you know, 
It's funny because, you know, I, when I talk to younger people and they're asking about moving to New York and I say, you know, it's, I remember when I was in grad school, you know, people saying it's not easy, you know, you, you move down there and it's, it's not an easy place. And I think it's not as easy as ever to right. be an artist it's living far and worse, working yeah. here. But when you went to SVA, was it not easier, but I mean, did you get a studio space relatively after right after yeah, that yeah like after actually this grab- is the same space that i got right wow, after sva That's yeah amazing and i and these people that uh they i got a, a studio space with you know with uh with my husband mm-hmm. he was um my boyfriend at the time you know and and um my two studio mates, uh, Kara and Julie, and we made a pact with each other that whatever, whoever we would drag back here, we would show them all of our work. I oh, mean, really? you know, that's a little hard to control people, but... Right, right. <laughs> no, no, you're going to all. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the goal, and the idea was that, like, you know, even if they didn't like your work, mm-hmm. that we would be better off if they liked your friend's work. <laughs> <laughs> you're <laughs> diversifying your portfolio right, right exactly no it was it was um but i think it really worked yeah. you know so uh and that's the idea you have friends like you want to pull together when you come to the city and you have friends you go in on a space you right. know what i mean it's it's kind of like helping each other right and we weren't so conscious about context or anything like mm-hmm. that there wasn't you know i uh julie made um uh you know, like, uh, you know, wax paper and gummy bear underwear and um, and uh, Kara made all white drippy paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't, I was trying to make abstract expressionist paintings. Um, but the, I think that, I think that way people are come into your work as a young artist is that they come in through it through your friends. Yeah. And they want to know, like, what's, what's the vibe? What's the scene? What are you guys talking about? What have you got in common? Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's your context. As we yeah. were talking about, I think that one of the problems of as aging as an artist is that like you lose your context. And then people don't know quite how to place you. They don't know like where you're coming from. And, they right. have, and, and in the beginning, you, you are much closer to your friends and you can kind of point to them all and say, well, I'm related to this and related to that. And I did, um, uh, after my work got known, it, it got known... Um, you know, in the context of pop surrealism. Yeah. And was uh, the show? Were you in the show? In I was Aldrich, in the show right? at the yeah pop surrealism. Yeah, I remember and, seeing that. Um, were you in it? No, no you I would wasn't. have been too young. Yeah. <laughs> Not that young. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that was '99, right, or 2000? I think it must have been. It was right when I was finishing grad school. I think. Yeah. Right around and, that time. Uh, but then that kind of fades away, mm-hmm. and that really never. Um, and people told me that you know, for example, Sigmar Polk uh, had a very. I think one of the. I mean, people have told me that one of the reasons why he never was like a commercial success, as much as you know the other German heavy hitters mm-hmm. of that time, is that you know he, people contextualized him as a pattern and design guy and then like but then he really wasn't but he wasn't really anything else either and I think that that you know like when people get lost like that then um, uh, when they're making kind of complicated work Mm -hmm. uh, then then their market can can people don't know what to do with it exactly 
It's funny, and, and that's another context thing. Look at, you just had that show. When was that? It wasn't too long ago. It was last year, I think. Yeah, and everyone loved just how diverse the work was. Right. You know what I mean? It's amazing to see how many different ideas he moved through. and you know. But I'm sure in a certain stage of his career, it's a little confusing for people. They're right. Like, Wait, where, who, you know, who's he related to? And You're like, are you uh, like Gerhard Richter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I'm like Warhol, but, <laughs> but not at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Um, yeah, so I, I think that going forth, it's always the story changes. My own story changes. It doesn't have a lot to do with anybody else out there, and, mm-hmm. and um, but of course it does. I mean, it's totally informed by being in New York and, and having friends. And uh, but I think that as you get older, you get to, uh, to be you more, mm-hmm. and then it's harder to know how to tell your story. Yeah. Because you don't know what story you like, which story, <laughs> right? And you get lost in what, and I think there's a beauty to that too. Of you just get so into what you're doing, you know right. what I mean? Like I remember getting coming out of school and being hyper conscious that I didn't want my work to look like other artists. Where I was worried that people would say, like when I got out of school, people thought the LA thing happened a few, like a couple years before that. It just started where. You know, Laura Owens and Kevin Appel right, and Chris yeah. Finley were getting a lot of attention. And in school, everyone thought, oh, you're just trying to do what these L.A. painters were doing. But I didn't even really know that work. I've only seen it, but I wasn't really that in- influenced by it. You know? Right, yeah. But when I came out of school, like, I was hyper-conscious. I didn't want to be associated too directly with people. But it takes years and years of working on your work to really find your voice and to where you're not you don't even have to worry about that at a certain point you just or maybe it's part of getting a little older so you're just like I don't care like I'm just gonna do this is what I do this is what I'm interested in but also people don't don't demand that of you anymore that's right because you're yeah. not hanging out with you know the same people yeah. that are like <laughs> that's true <laughs> I mean I think that that's only a 20 year old would say oh you're just doing what those guys are doing yeah yeah <laughs> 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 I can't imagine too with the internet what that must be like, right. you know, because we didn't really have that when we were coming out of school or in school. Like the the influence pool was is kind of limited in a way. Right. You know what I mean? Now it's just everything everywhere. Right. Like it's kind of interesting, and it's also I imagine it's daunting to have all that imagine. access to all that imagery, you know. And maybe one nice well, thing we about we had it, books. I know. That's there are these amazing things that younger people are just not that into. <laughs> and the pictures can be bigger. Yes, and you can lay them out. You can have more than one out at the same time. It doesn't. But only one filter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I, I, I trip over books in my studio, and I, I just love having you know. And it's something I learned from um, when I was an undergrad. My roommate is an artist. His name's Gerald Davis. He's an LA-based artist, and uh, we. He had, when we first started sharing his studio, so many books out. They were mostly Turner, I think, back in those days. Like, he was just looking at so much Turner. But you can make it through our studio because there were so many books all over the place. And I think I learned from him of that idea of, it's almost like by osmosis, you just put amazing images around you of, like, painters that you're interested in or, or art that you're interested in. Just let it kind of soak in. It's not even that you're necessarily, you know, using bits of it, but... Just kind of having that influence around is nice. Right, yeah. Do you, are you, so let's talk about your work in detail a little bit. Um, With your imagery, 
I know there are these imagined kind of landscapes and figures or sort of abstracted, you know, these thingies, um, things in space, you know, is how much of it is just raw, you know, drawing and then inventing or are there a lot of source? No, there's no source. There's no source. It's kind of invented. It's totally invented. It's funny. I think that one of the things that it's, um, I feel like I can sense when things are sourced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, uh, or cribbed. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like I, 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 I think that I have, um, I think I have, uh, it's, it's just something that I'm interested in is when it's not, it doesn't, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of looking for something new. Yeah. And, um, and for that, you really do have to put. I have tons of art books, as you see, and I and I um, have them out at different times. Um, but more so, just to kind of prop me up and say it's okay, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Positive reinforcement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I need. I need. I need voices to say it's okay. You can do that. That's legal. It's so um, funny because I never would imagine that you would be in a studio needing that. It's a. I would think that you would be in just like that's right. After every painting move, that's right. That's right. No, no. It's I. I. You know. I look at it and I go. Does that, does that um. Because I. I kind of bump up against illustration and taste a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. Especially when you're working with your imagination and, uh, and, and I think that, uh, I don't know what people think today, but I grew up knowing that illustration was bad and that there was a deep difference. And I know that there's yeah. a deep difference and I, and I can see it easily. I would hold that Frank Frazetta is far more original than most, uh, um, painters mm-hmm. living today yeah. I would also suggest that in terms of kitsch um, I know that this is maybe not uh, like the straightforward definition of kitsch but if kitsch is um, uh, you know like something that's a fake you right. know a fake version of like somebody else's taste mm-hmm. of an inherited notion of wealth that just just like a feel-good trinket there's so much more abstract kitsch out there yeah then you know like most figurative painting um even if it's of a sunset or something like that it's it's actually somebody really wanted to paint that right uh somebody somebody went out of their way and it actually means something to me i see so much abstract stuff where i i'm i'm just does this really mean something to you does yeah. this really did you really want to make this painting yeah, there's a lot of that um because because to me it looks like uh you know like it makes me think that of like how much I like other art, which is yeah. exactly what kitsch is. Yeah, isn't um, it funny too? Because it kind of flip flops, or it's it's reversing. Because one would think that the kitsch would be far more aligned with figurative, right. narrative painting. Well, that is what I mean. So okay, so why am I going? Why do I have like a you know? Why am I talking like this? <laughs> <laughs> do you have some axe to grind? <laughs> yes, I mean I've been making fan like fantasy paintings that um of you know fairies and things like that and mm-hmm. and imagine spaces and 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 they can you know um you know like they 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 aren't edgy sometimes i really want to uh, eliminate edge mm-hmm. and i think that that is a really uncomfortable place for people in the new york art world when yeah. you really want to eliminate edge and you really want to like find something that feels good and right. or, or feels um um, 
It's not that I don't, okay, let me, let me find a way to, I want to eliminate unnecessary edge. It can be just factual, but it, it's, um, but I'm, look, I think for, for when I was younger, I wanted it to, to kind of have that raw gut, you know, hitting home thing. Yeah. But, um, but then I questioned that. And I think it's perfectly valid to question why do you, what is why does it have to be gut wrenching for it to be important? Is yeah. there something else that that can that a work of art can do? If you don't like your world because it's you know it's because you know you don't like war or you know it's um, um, or you know like people that just can't take the time to consider something else and chill out, mm-hmm. then then. Um, but if you actually look at something that's a little bit more chilled, can you deal with it? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I feel like I do have an axe to grind, and, and um, here I am grinding it. What? <laughs> <laughs> grind away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I, uh, I'm maybe I'm fighting him. I'm sure that things are changing quickly. There's. Um, where was I? I'm sorry. Now I've, well, lost, I've, lost, about, I've lost all track. I'm, I'm just. Uh, <laughs> no, no. We, we were talking about you know invented the invent the invention in your paintings as opposed to some of the painters who make work that's just kind of kitschy and just read right. you know it's it's supposed to be like abstract it's supposed to be inventive or, but maybe it's just quoting but it's something in your work that you're really trying to right. push this idea of you know well the point is is that like I was really trying I think that one thing that is a constant uh, is is that it's got to it's not that it, it's got to be kind of new yeah and I and I still seek out the new. I'm looking for a way forward. Um, you know, for uh, I have a really good visual memory, and mm-hmm. I think I can spot when you know, like even fragments of other paintings in other people's paintings, um, and uh, um, and I. But I want my work to be like to come from a space of something looking forward. Yeah. No, I think it does. It's I like I was telling you before. It's just I don't. There's not. I can't, I can't place your work, and it just has its own feel. And what's nice is, you know, in first seeing your work, in I think it was you know in probably '99 or something or 2000. You know, a long time ago, your work has changed so much over that time. But I would still know your work in a minute. You know, there's no one. No right. one's paintings look like your paintings look like. I think like. that that's one of the reasons that I I do have a t- you know like a my own you know touch of the way mm-hmm. I limb things or whatever, um, but so with that I think I I gave myself full permission. Uh, it's been a uh, I think I it's a gift to mm-hmm. be able to do something that looks like my work no matter what I do. Yeah. And uh, so, therefore, I've abused it. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and made a lot of uh, different types of work, which I do think is still me. I don't, I don't know what, but, but I think that uh, for some people it can be um, uh, confusing. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's funny because I, I think maybe it's more common these days for people to make work. It's, it's almost like they're curating like what it is that they're looking at is more of the content or what that painting is referencing is more of the content and I think it is that exciting newness is the fact that you are still making something that had that doesn't look like other things or that is mutating in and of itself and creating new worlds within its within your world 
that is your mind and the way that you're making these. But it's this really nice combination of that line work or that gesture or that intuitive way of drawing that you have that's combined with these funky, like, I don't even know what to call them. These whatever beings, that, whatever that is over there. <laughs> that <laughs> you know? is, um, yeah, what is that? That is, that's a scene of Manhattan. That's uh, probably around uh, um, 7th Avenue looking towards the west uh-huh. on, on Manhattan Henge. Uh, so the sun has just With gone down. With the sunset, down, yeah. Right, the sunset. And uh, we have uh, the monsters, you know, these um, that inhabit the large spaces of, of Manhattan. We have uh, a figure of... This is, you know, like, I, I think that you're probably, like, going, really? Oh. No, yeah. I like it. <laughs> I, I, okay, so here we have, um, I think, a figure of Saturn on our right, a time, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's got his briefcase and two floozies on the left. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, too, that I hadn't, maybe unconsciously, but that idea, when I first looked at that image and seeing the receding space where it does look like buildings or a hallway, right. I did think of... The Manhattan. sun at the end, and that when you get those um, those street moments where you look down and you can see all the way down the avenue, like right. you can see all the way to the the west side, where you get those moments of sun. Right. I get really excited by that. Well, I mean Manhattan Hench, you know about Manhattan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean that's that's I've never heard it right. described as that, but it makes total sense. But that's exciting to unconsciously relate to that aesthetic experience in nature. But yet, this is so foreign in a way. You know, it's it's this own world. I think that's what's really powerful. Like for this one over here, I'm thinking of planes hitting the sea, but I don't know if that's it. But there's a connection to real world possibilities. Right. But, but I know that's not what that is. Or it's, well, this is like a future Manhattan. So uh, where the buildings will look more like airplanes Mm -hmm. um, and that old um, green thing in the middle is an old building, Um, but they're still kind of lined up uh, in this kind of... uh, I suppose the the planes are the they look a little bit more like Dubai, you know, like the architecture of Dubai. It's it's Mm -hmm. all these kind of arabesques and and things or these people. But one thing about the city of Manhattan, the way it it looks is is that it... um, it always looks to me like a, a series of, of posturing buildings. I was going to say it's very anthropomorphic. Yeah. You know, they're taking on a life. Yeah. Well, some of them have faces. and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that really drives it home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this feeling of the movement. This, yeah. Your work has a lot of movement to it. And I think one of the reasons that I was asking about ukiyo-e is there's always this beautiful movement or not always but a lot of times there's a beautiful movement whether it's compositionally with the figures and the way that they're orchestrated in space or if you have like the wind blowing away the umbrella or papers flying or the rain coming in there's always this kind of dynamic motion and movement to them that I I feel like your work has a resonance with that right and well I think that I think that the other thing that I does I, I always do that's very yukioi's is and what it's that's the floating world. So you're yeah. looking down. It's this you know kind of three quarters. So you're hovering above the landscape, mm-hmm. and I always have that as my like in probably seventy five percent of the paintings I do. I have that. Um, you're not looking at things. You know. Straightforward. Straightforward. You're, it, you're, it, it folds down. It like folds the perspective down, folds down. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like you're hovering somewhere 
about 30 feet off the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> but it gives you, it's putting the viewer in a space to where they understand they're seeing something that just average people aren't seeing. Like right, you're, exactly. Give, you're put in a perspective of seeing things differently. Right. And you may not understand why or exactly how, but you just know that. You right, know? exactly. And, and that it's amazing that, you know, the content that brings to an image, you know, just like Persian miniatures, when you're seeing all those different perspectives or like some of those old Italian paintings with that kind of funky perspective and it puts you in this like slightly what is it um trump loy but mm -hmm. you know two foot trump loy or yeah. cubist space yeah um yeah and like the manet painting the woman at the bar it's right. like a cubist painting basically her reflection being off to the side you just you may not note you notice it you may not think about it you know literally in the sense of like oh that's cubist because you would never see her reflection off to the side like that but it, it puts the viewer in a specific position to where they think about that imagery different you know right which is really interesting to me you know and i think that's kind of the new you know he was doing the new i mean Manet was amazing he did all these things that no one did before him you know but he never made anything he placed everything everywhere like he didn't he supposedly didn't make anything up he would always stage things mm -hmm. yeah um and it was purposeful and you know i took a class when i was in undergraduate school on dejeuner solaire like the whole class was on one painting basically and i would see that painting and think a few things about it you know the odd the oddities of it and you know the social implications and the gender implications of it but then i didn't realize how deep the connections are in that or how far back he was looking at imagery and how he orchestrated that painting and how purposeful it was in its content it's really interesting you mean like the what there, there's an old um roman uh yeah, he was quoting prints of like Goya people who were making prints after Goya. It just got so like rabbit hole of of the lineage of the imagery that he was referencing. I mean, I don't. This was a long time ago that I took a class, so I don't mm -hmm. remember it exactly all those works. But I remember being blown away at just how deep he went to research this image, and then all the different meanings of those references in a way to him. So um, that. It, you know, you look at a Picasso or you look at a Picabia, you look at, you know, a Cubist painting and you understand immediately, like, that is a forceful breakdown of perspective. And, you know, you kind of, it reveals itself instantly. But, and what impressed me about his work is how it was kind of embedded and kind of hidden in, in it, which I kind of like. Yeah. You know, like little Easter eggs in the painting. Right. Um, yeah, but so that kind of you know content with your your relationship to the picture plane and and i think your work has that you know well it's got rabbit holes yeah <laughs> yeah i would holes. never have known the the um saturn you know like all the different references for this is that something that you you think some the viewer will get some of that no no, it's no just, i mean i i um what would I think that a viewer would get from something like this? I think that uh, you could you could understand that it was an otherworldly human, uh, otherworldly being, right? Yeah. Okay, so you'd get that. You would get that it's um, uh, got some relation to you know business or <laughs> yeah. He's a sterner um, uh, figure than the other two briefcase and papers too. Yeah, chicky yeah. poos, but but. Um, you and I think that you might understand that that was sort of like Manhattan. Mm -hmm. You might. Um, is she holding a smartphone? She is holding a smartphone. Okay. Um, 
But I mean, like, uh, I, but then from there, there's no reason for it's just a scene, you yeah. know, it's just like you know, like a Toulouse Lautrec kind of scene. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, it's but like the, the, it's yeah. the modern world, right? In a way. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's referencing our world, but it's also your imagination of these other beings that are representing it in a way, right? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, or do you watch a lot of movies? Is there like TV or movies or other like? I don't want to say fantasy, but like, you know, kind of invented stories that you're really into visually Um, because you're so specific in making these visual stories yourself and creating them. Are there, are there other people that you really love who do something similar, but in a totally different way? I mean, um, like, you know, it's funny. I, I do like fantasy stuff and I, I do like, you know, and I like watching, um, uh, you know, like Game of Thrones, but mm-hmm. I recognize that it's totally cliche. Now it's kind of like just a whodunit kind of. Um, but I, I, what I really like is when it, when things feel like it comes from the real imagination. The kind of I, 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 I'd ha, you know, like it's it, it, it's hard for me to talk about because it it it's, it can be so meaningless to use these words. It's sort of like you know when you use the word surreal, it's mm-hmm. completely meaningless. And but there is something that I you know sometimes I'll, I can use the word collective unconscious or um, you know when when things tap into a shared world that is I think like or you know uh, Blake would call it the the realm of the true imagination Mm -hmm. where um, where it can feel real but it's it's like um, all I can say is that it feels like a like a like another realm that is that 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 is um, Magical, and I don't have a I don't have a better word word yeah. than that. But I feel like I can sometimes enter into an imagination that can have an almost physical like um, aspect to it. Like it can it can physically alter me. Yeah, and I like it when artworks hit upon that. Most don't. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot. Most from the past do. Um, uh, yeah, but. Um, but when it when it has that feeling and I and I think that I pursue it and there's certain artists that have pursued it someone like Ray Dom pursued it Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, and I'm looking for other artists that that kind of pursue it but I think that when you start talking about these things that people want to know like oh so you know like is it real or you know like it's it's so easy to um, to make fun of, or for it to be meaningless, mm-hmm. uh, that it, uh, and to kind of, you know, like, or, or maybe I like it when things feel sacred, like yeah. genuinely sacred, and uh, and it's just you, you know, like when you feel something like that, it 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 passes you by for an, for just a second, a split second, and yeah. then it's gone, and then your brain, your critical brain, takes over. Mm-hmm. And you're breaking things down, and um, yeah, and I can't, I can't quite place where that comes from. And then I'll, I'll even doubt myself that it happened, because mm-hmm. uh, it can happen that that quickly. <laughs> but those are like the gems of being in the studio right? or making work, right? But when seeing another when you see it in other people's work, yeah. And when you have those realizations as you're making it, and you're living in that 
fantasy, you know, yeah. that, that other world where we're not thinking about other day-to-day stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you get lost in it. For for me, I think that's that's like my moment of ultimate fulfillment, you know, is whenever you're completely zoned out in that world that you're making or what you're trying to to do and then the act of actually physically and then, like, making it. it. Then it, you make it and then it comes through and yeah. then you think you see it. And then you're like, no, it's not there. Yeah, yeah, I gotta try it again. <laughs> That's what keeps you going, right? right? You gotta keep trying it again and again. Or maybe it was there, and you just like, you know, Moved looked on. at it. Yeah, looked at it too hard. Yeah, you, know, you overlooked. <laughs> you overlooked, and your and your eyes sometimes, uh, uh, you know, like, um, yeah. There's so many different ways that a painting can start to talk to you. You know, one of the I, I trust a lot of physical signs. A lot of times, like my eyes will soften. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think that with a with a painting, sometimes it makes your eyeballs harden. Oh yeah. And and sometimes a painting can make your eyeballs actually soften, so you can drink it in. So your physical reaction right. to the painting right might change, and it, you know, like so I've I've come to trust those things more than my brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I had that. It. I went to the Musée d'Orsay. Yeah. And it was a Manet, and it was a portrait. I forget what what it was called. But it's a stunning portrait of like she was wearing black and the background was really dark and her skin was just lit up. It was an amazing painting. And you know, you saw you kind of drank it exhale in. Exhale and yeah. take it in. Yeah. yeah, no, you can feel that. And in, and it's not that I mean it, I think that there's something in creativity that happens or you know, that um, it has nothing to do necessarily with the content, though content can point you in the help point you in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you see something that you, that has uh, that, yeah, your your whole body aspects. I think that the best thing that a painting can do is that you just sort of get drawn forward and relaxed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Which is the opposite of punk, you right? Know? Yeah. <laughs> I guess the the other side of that, there can be really strong work too that just bites back at you, and that's very powerful. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I on both accounts, it's really nice to be drawn in, and then there's other work, or like someone like Warhol is really good at what he does. I mean, his work isn't about drawing you in, really. It's about kind of, com- it's a totally different comment, but he's really good at that comment. It's just there's. It's so different, but that is a very romantic. I think kind it's of whatever the wonderful. truth is for you, and yeah. I think that that's the problem. Is uh, you know, like sticking to only one thing is that like the truths change. Yeah. You know, like um, and you know um, whether, for example, you want to be like a completely sincere artist or ironic artist. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever the truth is to yeah. get to the truth to help you make that to find the path into that m- making art making. When I see stuff that's really great, I rarely come home now and mm-hmm. think um uh oh i'm gonna crib a move from there right, I'm gonna crib right. a move. um i all i can think is like I, I can just enjoy the fact that they figured it out yeah and i'm gonna figure it out differently right i don't actually um which i think was different i think that we're all here in new york trying to share something mm-hmm. and i think that you know like you look at you know, like the Fauvists, and they were all really great when they were around Matisse, and then they kind of sort of fell apart, but maybe they didn't, maybe that was just our narrative line right. of like modernism, and like they became less modern, um, or they became less like, you know, um, towed the modernist line, and uh, uh, I don't, the question is, you know, like, um, but at the same time, there was a moment, you know, like Van Gogh saw those Japanese prints. There was mm-hmm. a moment, and he and he gets something, and that's why he's there. And um, 
what am I, where am I going with this? <laughs> but I, I feel like we don't really live in that time anymore where we're going to like make, say, we don't see cubism. Like, let's make a bunch of cubist right. work. We've got to do that too. <laughs> we got to yeah. do that. You know, but I think it can go, like it can break down barriers for people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think all I can do now is, is either it's my age or I think it's the times and how much stuff there is out there. All I can do is go, that's great for you. Mm-hmm. And it's not my solution at all yeah no and and when you go out and see that there's something about the energy in that work that you really respond to you just go back and say i want that energy too like that gives me energy right not that it's a particular thing that you're sampling or like oh i want to do that it's it's just it gives that's for me that's the the joy of going around and seeing so much work and seeing these shows that you really respond to and love is that it just makes you want to just do what you do even more. Exactly, know? yeah. And like, not necessarily like, oh, I want to be like him. Right, I want to no, be like it her. makes you want to be you. Yeah, you just want to <laughs> be a better version of you. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's totally true. So you're, um, before we wrap up, I wanted to mention your show that's opening at the Frist that's right. Center yeah. in Nashville. That's right. And when's it open? Uh, the In two days. And um, Well, um, well, this Thursday's the opening day. I think that the reception is... Uh, no, I'm sorry. The, the opening is on Friday, but the, mm-hmm. the reception is uh, on Thursday night. But the um, the opening... Um, I think that we're going to do a gallery walkthrough in the, in the... Like around noon or 11.30 in the... Uh, on, on Friday. On Friday. The 27th, and then it, it's May up, 27th. It's up through... How the long is it The whole summer. Up? Oh, nice. So Music City... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people should go check it out. Great, and then you have your your website. Right? That's right. Well, my website is not up to date, and it doesn't have everything on it. I actually, um, you can go to my Instagram account if you want to follow. Mm-hmm. I think that actually is like a little bit more um, uh, real time. Yeah. 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 Get a. You have all these followers, and you have to like. All, you got to keep <laughs> oh you're making fun of me I, I was if I follow yeah it's a real big deal if I follow people because I actually feel responsible to like actually look at what they post yeah um, maybe that'll change with the I mean I you know I'm, I have almost 200 and it's too much uh, we you can know, just clear the air right here. Everyone, you love everyone's stuff, but you just can't get around to all of it. Well, I mean, if they're a friend, yeah, I yeah. do. <laughs> That's yes, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so if you haven't checked it in two days, you got to scroll through and yeah. find all the. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> You're, if you approach it that way, yeah. I'm sure most people don't, but um, I do. Great. All right. For now. Well, it's. <laughs> been great coming and checking out what you're working on and I'm I'm really I was so excited to talk to you because I've been a long long time fan Yay. so thanks so much <laughs> for having me over oh this this is great thanks thank you
Thank you. 